Welcome everyone to the EK BJJ podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn and I am the host and founder of this show. I hope everyone out there is doing okay. This podcast is a movement and is designed to give you the tools to help you grow through your jiu-jitsu journey. And I'm here to share and serve with you, the listener. If you're new to this, welcome. And if you've been following us already, thanks so much. And I'm really glad that you keep coming back and tuning in. Today, I'll be talking to you about training at different BJJ schools. And if this is an acceptable practice or not. I'll be sharing my own thoughts that will hopefully give you some tools, concepts, and ideas that will serve you well. Before we get into that, I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to our amazing collaboration family, Atama Kimonos Europe. Both Pedro and the team go through a lot of work to make all of our academy kimonos, and I believe they are some of the finest kimonos for training in. Atama Europe can be found at atamaeurope.com. For those wanting more information on my association, you can find us at ekbjj.com. I would also like to take this opportunity to invite you to join our student development program, which can be found at ekbjjonline.com. With that said, guys, let's get into today's show. Firstly, I want to start with a quote that is being bounced around at the moment. And the quote is, Jiu-Jitsu for everyone. Now, for me, I think that's a bit of a misleading concept. For me, I think the slogan should be, Jiu-Jitsu is not for everyone. And I'll say that to say this. Depending on the school you go to, or the instructors at that school, or the students at that school, will determine if that style of Jiu-Jitsu is for you. Now, we can argue the fact, obviously, that Jiu-Jitsu is for everyone in a sense that we can all do that. But I think it's completely dependent on the schools you attend, the atmosphere of the school, the instructors inside the school, and of course, the students. It could also be down to the teaching methodology used by those instructors. It may not suit your body type, it may not suit your athletic ability, it may not suit your age, it just may not suit you. So bear that in mind, when you go, go visit schools or you know, if you're interested in joining jiu-jitsu, go check out a few of them, have a look around, go to a couple of schools, compare what's good, what's bad, what you liked, what you didn't like. Take time to speak to the instructors and the students. I always do this when visiting a new school. I'll go there, I'll sit down, I'll chat to the instructors, and, and this was before I started to really take jiu-jitsu seriously and and get into it. I would go to the schools, check out the instructors, look at what they were teaching, look how the students looked at them, and looked how the students interacted with the instructor and vice versa. Was it a growth environment or was it a, what's the word I'm looking for, just an environment, like a free-for-all environment? So yeah, that was just kind of something that I wanted to tune into. I was just having a conversation about that before I jumped on uh, recording today's podcast. So let's get into today's show. And as we were talking about, the title of it is Training at a Different BJJ Schools, Acceptable or Not. Last week, a relatively new blue belt came into my office at the academy to ask me thoughts on this and to see what my perspective was, to see if it was acceptable for him to do that. While it was a very valid question, 
I gave him my honest answer, which is absolutely it is. If you train at my school, especially the headquarters, then why not? Why can you not go and train at other schools? Why wouldn't you be able to do so? That's part of growth. If you've got friends over there, perhaps they invite you to come and train. Go ahead, go train, knock yourself out. Now, firstly, I would say to my students that jujitsu is way, 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 way bigger than the four walls and matted space of my academy. While our focus here is not competition jujitsu, our association does do very well when it comes to competing. Now, where there are, well, where we are, I guess, within the metropolis of London, there are many schools to visit and learn from. I myself am not a world champion. I have no desire to be a world champion and I've never claimed to be a world champion. But there are some amazing schools with some amazing instructors that can give students just that. Now, there is an exception to students being able to train elsewhere, and that exception came in the form of COVID. During the pandemic, we, like a lot of the other schools in the UK, were forced to close for sustained periods of time. Not only were we forced to close, but we took a huge financial loss. And then when it came back to reopening, we took the appropriate action that we believe to be the safest way of re-entering jiu-jitsu, not just for ourselves, but for our students. And we did this at a financial cost to us. We invested back into our students to make sure that they could be as safe as possible when training at our academy. At that time, we asked our students if they were training at other locations to remain away from ours for a period of time, just so if there was a contamination, that they wouldn't bring it to our academy and spread it to our students after the hard work and effort we'd taken to, to get our academy back to where we wanted it to be. Now, we can only vouch for the way that our academy is operated and what we have done to protect our students. Now we're in a much better place and we have a better understanding of COVID, we relaxed all of those rules a little more. Training in different jiu-jitsu gyms actually has a lot of benefits and very few drawbacks. Apart from the political side of things, which we'll get into later, and of course some instructors' ego trips, I would say go out there, have a look around, see what's out there, most of all, have fun. There is a question that I commonly ask myself when it comes to this, I guess it's a phenomena of people training in different gyms, dropping students and all of that stuff. And that question is, with all of the above said, I give my students 100% and I treat them as family. I care that I care about their progress, I care about the growth of their jiu-jitsu and I do the best I can and I, I literally mean this, I do the best I can to really invest in them and their jiu-jitsu. So if they do go off and train somewhere else and I have a student who is dedicated and committed to solely training at my academy, how do I then dedicate the time to each of them? You know, this is a question I've pondered over. It's a tough question, right? What would you do? I mean, if you're a jiu-jitsu instructor who has a school, I'd be interested to hear, you know, your, your thoughts and your feelings on that because I think that's ultimately what it comes down to, is feelings. Some instructors get all bent out of shape and get their feelings hurt when it comes to their students training elsewhere. On the other hand, I don't. 
You know, I have multiple students that train in multiple different places and they house themselves at our academy. So they'll train two, three times at our academy and maybe one or two times visit an open mat or go and visit another school. And, and I think that's absolutely fine, you know, but that's just me. I fully understand they don't own my academy and I understand the fees that my students pay for their learning. But if that is happening, does it then just become a money transaction or a business transaction rather than a relationship? You know, I don't know. I've never really looked at it that way, but you know, we could say, we could ask that question. And would you, or should you really want to promote that student because apart from the technical knowledge of jujitsu, the belt is ultimately a connection between you and your student. When I promote someone, say to blue belt, purple belt, not only am I tying the belt around their waist, but I'm also saying to them, listen, I trust you to wear this belt, to hold the integrity of the belt, to make sure you don't dishonor the school or the other students in the academy when you go visit other schools and that you have the technical knowledge and technical ability to back that up. So, you know, there's my, my two cents on what the belt means. So what if you're currently then training at a school or an academy, which does not allow you to train elsewhere other than that school? It sounds a bit cultish to me. You know, I, I, I think things become a bit cultish also when, you know, student says, uh, sorry, instructor says to the student, you can't do A, B, C, D, and E. And there's a lot of stuff on the internet about these scores that are out there. And I guess that's just the way they run their, their scores. Now, one of the questions to ponder over, should you want to go and visit other scores and train at other scores? These are just, this is just a question that I'm gonna throw out. I'm playing devil's advocate, really. I'm just gonna throw this question out there. If you're a blue belt at one school and you go to another school, but let's say that school doesn't recognize your belt rank, what belt are you gonna wear? I mean, if you're a blue belt or a purple or brown belt and you visit a school and you go into that school and you say, hey, I'm here, come to train, I'm a blue belt, but the school doesn't recognize your belt. Now, let me put that into a better understanding for you. Maybe the school you're visiting, much like my school, has standardized graduation process. Meaning, in order to achieve the next belt, it isn't necessarily based on how many classes or how much mat time you attend, but maybe more to do with technical knowledge and applications of jujitsu. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either, as it's down to the professor or head instructor at that school you know, whatever their criteria is at their school, each school is different. So you go in and the instructor says, you can't wear your belt. Now what, what do you do now? Do you go, cool, I'm leaving. You know, I'm not gonna come and train here. I'm gonna leave and go somewhere else. Or do you then go, well, I earned the belt. It doesn't, you know, it just ties my gi together. I'm gonna go on the mat and whether I'm wearing the belt or not, my skill set will be displayed. And plus, you're there in a learning capacity, right? Well, most people are. I know some people um, just turn up to have gym wars, but some, most, I would say the majority of people show up to learn something from that school. I can remember being a blue belt and visiting Master Hicks and Gracie's school in West LA. I believe back then it was um, Pico Boulevard. And when I entered the school, 
Hickson's then wife, Kim Gracie, was there. And she asked me where I trained, what belt I was, what rank I was. And I explained to her that I, I'm a blue belt, got my blue belt from Hoyce. I was visiting LA, but I was at that moment training, visiting Brazil, excuse me, back and forth in Brazil, training at Gracie Almeida with Hoyler and Holker. She said, you can't wear the belt. You know, the belt basically isn't valid here. So I, I was confused at that time. I'd never heard of it. It's the first time I've heard of this sort of thing. So I asked her, I said, well, Hoyce is Hickson's brother. He, he gave me the belt. He promoted me to the belt and I'm here to train. We went back and forth a little bit and eventually I didn't get to wear, wear the belt. The instructor taking the class at that time was a guy called Mario Aiello, who we've gone on to be lifelong friends. He's now the owner, I believe, of Gracie LA. He's also part of Hoyler's, Hoyler Gracie's uh, Gracie Almighty competition team out there. He was the guy who, who took the lesson, the group class that time, and I did some privates with him after. I actually did end up getting to wear my belt, funny enough, on the second time I came in. I'm guessing someone had reached out to Hoyler and, and Hoyler had, or someone at the academy there had said, yeah, he's training over here with us and, and they let me wear the belt. But I can remember at that time how I felt. I can remember I was really like, wow, what's going on here? Yeah, it was a crazy time, but, but what I did was I was allowed to wear the belt ultimately, but it made no difference to my experience, one, and to what I learned and, you know, the knowledge that I had gained from taking those group privates, that group class and private lessons with Mario. So that's one kind of question to ponder over. The second thing is if you compete, if you're a competitor and you, you go and you compete often and regularly, if you're visiting and training at both schools or you're a member of both schools and you want to compete, what school do you represent in competition? And if you win a medal, who gets the points? Because to my knowledge, if you medal or if you say you win a gold medal, I'm guessing from my understanding of it, one of the team acquires those points which accumulate to a, an overall score within the competition scene. So who do you give those points to? Again, that's a bone of contention between each schools. Could one school look at you and say, oh, you spend four days here and three days there. You're learning more from us. We should have those points. Or the other one could say, yeah, but all of your sparring's done here. Who knows? It's just a back and forth kind of argument that, that I don't want to get into. I don't want to be part of, and I'm glad that I'm not part of that. I'm just playing devil's advocate when it comes to that. The other one I guess that could be thrown at you is, who is your instructor? Who is your instructor? Now granted, you could have two instructors. I put down my jujitsu to the Gracie family. And when I say that, yes, Hoyler has promoted me from Purple Belt. The Gracie family have promoted me through all of the belts. Does that mean that I say, oh, I'm a you know, I'm from the Gracie family. No, I always use the term that Hoyler Gracie. When someone says to me, oh, who's your instructor? Hoyler Gracie. The main influences on my jiu-jitsu journey have been Hoyler, Hickson, and Hoyce from the Gracie family. Now, with that said, in between and weaving in and out of all of that, Holker has had some amazing input into my jiu-jitsu. Halleck, Halleck Gracie, has had some amazing input into my jiu-jitsu. Someone that I listen to 
we have conversations and, and we discuss these kind of things. And whether it's not just the technical aspects of jujitsu, but through our conversation, I've learned so much from him. So the Gracie family as, as a whole have had a massive input into my jujitsu. In fact, all of it. But there are certain figures within that that have had the most, Hoyler being the person who I attribute most of what I learned from. I could even throw Grandmaster Elio in there from lessons taken and, you know, seeing the stuff that was done and passed down from so far back. So yeah, I mean, it's very convoluted. Who is your instructors? How do you answer that? The thing that always springs to my mind with all of this is that we're not politicians. We are just teachers. We are jujitsu instructors and we are, what's the word I'm looking for? We are the instruments of jujitsu. We're just passing a message and it's our message in our way. And I think a lot of jujitsu instructors get caught up with this. They get caught up with wearing a black belt and strutting around the academy and this and that. But for me, we are just teachers. We're just passing a message. Once we understand that we're not politicians and you know, I have a zero tolerance to politics in my academy. I don't enforce people wearing patches on the kimono. I don't enforce people wearing a specific gi. Yes, we have a gi. You're welcome to purchase that gi if you cho choose to do so. The only thing that we have in our academy is some simple etiquette, bowing on and off the mat, hygiene, etc., etc. But beyond that, I like my students to wear white gis because I consider us to be a traditional Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school. Some of them wear a simple plain white gi, no patches on the, on the kimono, no representation of our school, but they are there all of the time. And that is absolutely fine. We sell patches for those who don't wish to buy the Atama collaboration gi and just want to sew a patch on their gi. That's fine too. But I think if it goes beyond that, then mm, you know that can be a little bit kind of business transaction-y for me. So, you know, with all of that said, I've compiled, as I usually do, 10 things that I would do before visiting other schools. Just 10 simple things. This may aid you if you decide to do that. And I'll get straight into them. Point number one is decide to do it and go ahead, do it. Go and have fun. Go hang out. Go learn some new skills, some new tips and techniques and bring them back and share them among the Academy of Us. That's what jujitsu is. That is the learning mindset. And that's something that I completely advocate. Number two, I call it the instructor check. Come up to your instructor, whoever it is, tell them what you intend to do. Tell them you're gonna do that. And if they're anything like me, they should say, hey, go ahead, enjoy. And the reason to do that is common courtesy. Because what can happen sometimes is you go to a school, you train, the instructor there says, oh, where do you train? I train there. Those two instructors are friends. He notifies him and it, to some instructors, can look a little bit like, oh, he's gone behind my back. He's trying to source another school. But again, those are signs and symptoms to look out for, for bad instructors. But hey, that's what I would do. It's point number two. Point number three is before you go ahead and visit that academy. So before you even just show up with your gi under your arm and your belt, you know, email them, send them a message, pick up the phone and call them, say to them, hey, I'm in town, I'm visiting for a couple of days, or 
Um, I live in London. I train at this school. I would love to come down and train with you guys. Is it okay? And is there a specific day that you would like me to come in? And during that conversation, point number four comes into play, which is what is the academy attire? What are they wearing on that day? Is it gi, no gi? What are they doing on that day? You don't want to take your gi and turn up to a jiu-jitsu academy and it's no gi. You know, so so that's the kind of thing. Do they have a all the time rash guard policy like we do? Do they have a, a gi color that day or a gi color attire exactly like what we do? Maybe they do. Check that out before you go there. The fifth thing is don't be stinky gi guy. <laughs> and what I mean by that is make sure you know your gi is clean, that you are clean, freshly showered, that you you know, go there smelling good and, 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 you know, being fresh because you don't want to have that, oh man, he just showed up and the guy stinks. Oh, if he stinks, then the academy he came from must stink. All those guys must stink. You know, you kind of represent us, although you're going to visit another gym. So, you know, hygiene, incredibly important for guys visiting other gyms. Don't be the stinky gee guy. Number six would be, you know, be on time. Now, you know my theory when it comes to be on time. Always be on time. Now, if you arrive on time, you're already late. Show up 10, 15 minutes early. If you go back to one of our earlier podcasts, we discussed that. Show up 15 minutes early. Take time to talk to the students. Introduce yourself to them. Introduce yourself to the instructor there. Let him know, hey, I put a calling or did you get my email? Was it yourself I spoke to? I'm here to take a class. Nice to meet you, etc., etc. You know, that kind of thing goes a long way. So be early. Number seven, and it's one of the most important, but, you know, martial arts, I think, embody this, which is be respectful. Now, being respectful doesn't mean you're just respectful to the students. It means you're respectful to the academy. Most of those students spend all of their time in that school. And you going in there, taking tape off your fingers and just throwing it on the floor, leaving gum on the side, you know, walking in with your shoes, whatever it is, you know, you have to be respectful. Remember, you're representing the school you came from and to the school you visit. So they're gonna judge you on the school you came from. On your actions, they're gonna judge the whole school and all of the students. So they will, they will form an informed opinion when you arrive there. Be respectful. Number eight, which is, you know, we've had this lots and lots of times at the academy, is students show up, they're very respectful, they tick all of the boxes, they've made the call, they've let their instructor know. They come into our academy, they go through the teaching part absolutely fine. The training parts begins. They get caught in a submission and they don't want to tap. You know, we refer to them as they biff out or they spaz out at that part, that that moment. They don't want to tap. And I find this a lot with the competition mindset. Nothing wrong with that at all. You know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there has to be a controlled environment where you're not going to get injured and in the process of you going crazy you're not gonna injure anyone else or those around you because we know by not wanting to tap you can break your own arm or, or injure yourself you go away from the academy saying oh i went there and look broke my arm the full story's not out there and before you know it you know the academy that you visited 
wasn't good, they were crap, the guys were bullies, they beat you up and they broke your arm. When the reality of it is you didn't want to tap, your ego got the better of you and you know you got injured in the process. So number eight, learn to tap out. Don't let your ego get the better of you. Number nine, confirm what the map fee is. A lot of schools have a dropping fee. And by that, I mean, if you don't have a membership or a subscription there, when you go to visit the school, the drop-in fee may be slightly higher than you're used to. Some schools charge 15 pounds, some 10 pounds, some 25 pounds. And that's just the kind of deterrent, I'm guessing, to stop would-be people just coming in, doing a dropping class, beating up all the students, injuring people, whatever it is, and then leaving. And rightly so, that shouldn't be happening. Make sure you know what the mat fee is and make sure you pay the mat fee. There's been loads of times people have dropped into our school and we've said, oh, pay after class and after class, they forget, we forget. I'm always wanna look for the, the goodness in people and we have such a great time, great fun training on the mats. They leave and they don't pay their fee and you never see those students again. So, so make sure you pay a mat fee. You don't want to be the guy or girl who goes around and gets the reputation of, oh, that guy doesn't ever pay or that girl doesn't ever pay. They come in and they train and they leave. And number 10, which I think is, is really useful for when you drop into a school, write them an honest review. Write them an honest review on Google, Trustpilot, whatever you can find them. And don't forget to say thank you to your training partners and the instructor there for the lesson, for the time, for the class, because you know they've just shared with you not only their techniques, but they've allowed you to use their bodies to drill the positions on and perhaps even spar with them and you know sweat and all the rest of it. And you may have accidentally, you know, hit someone in sparring or done something that someone sees as a little bit disrespectful. But don't ever forget to, to say thank you to them and write a review. Not A lot of people don't do this. They visit the school, they have a great time and, and they kind of move on and forget. I have a student who visits from, um, I think it's Calif yeah, California. He's back and forward and he does all of the above. And he messages me on Instagram and says, hey prof, I'm gonna be in town on this date, this time, are you around? Can I still come into the academy? To me, this guy is, is like family to us. He's here all of the time, every time he's in town, he, he visits us and we really appreciate him coming in. And I'm sure he appreciates us and our students. And it's always great to see him and he does it the right way. He does it all by etica, which is, you know, which you can't odds. And he's a really nice kid. And it's all a jujitsu for me as a community. It's all about building bridges, gaining knowledge, making friends and growing the community and growing yourself, self-growth. The more you train, the better you become. The more people you meet, the bigger the circles you go, you grow. You can go to various academies and train. And, and remember, you know, jujitsu, although it's very fun and, and very family orientated, and we have a great, great time doing it, we keep fit, the social aspects, etc. Some jujitsu schools can be extremely tribalistic. They can be very kind of what's the word I'm looking for? guarded you know when when you walk into the school they're looking at you like you know a piece of meat like we want to show you our jiu-jitsu is better than yours which is completely the wrong mindset but but that's my two cents on the whole thing guys listen i hope that will shed some light remember we're not politicians we're simple jiu-jitsu instructors or teachers we like to share the knowledge that we've acquired 
I want you personally to be the best student you can be. I want you to be a better blue belt than I was, a better purple belt than I was, a better brown and black belt than I was. So everything's about moving forward and evolving. Remember, your instructor doesn't own you. It's freedom of travel. Jiu-Jitsu is like the green card to everywhere. You just, you know, you just go. And if you follow those, those 10 things, you will have no issues showing up at any academy and training well. On that note, guys, I hope this was of some value to you. I hope it, it, you know, it gave you some benefit. If anyone wants to stop by and visit our academy, please drop us an email, hit us up on Instagram, call us. Everyone's welcome. Zero Politics Academy. And I look forward to sharing the mats with you soon. Stay positive, guys. Keep training and uh, catch up with you soon. Thank you.